Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Christagenia Internet Radio. Today is actually Sunday, April 14th, 2019. Praise Yahweh, the God of Israel, and thank you for listening. This program was originally presented live at Christagenia on Friday, April 12th. However, I did not realize until after the presentation was completed that the software which I used to record my podcasts had failed me, and I was unable to post the presentation. At the same time, we were out of town on other business this weekend, attending a League of the South function, so now it is 10.30 p.m. on Sunday, April 14th, and I finally have a chance to make a recording so that we could post this to Christagenia later this evening, or in reality, by midnight. This is the Arab question, part five. I had the urge to subtitle this program, The Mexicali Jews, taking a stab at an old Grateful Dead song. When we read the various biblical prophecies concerning the so-called end times, or the day of the wrath of Yahweh, or the day of judgment, if you will, which are found in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and many of the minor prophets. We read of Edom, and the tribe sprung from Ishmael, and Moab, Ammon, and others, and mainstream Bible commentaries, and the popular perception of these tribes are usually restricted in their discussion to the Middle East, to Palestine, and to the Sham Israeli state. There it is imagined that the Israeli Jews are Israelites, which is a lie, and that the surrounding Arabs are these other tribes. But in truth, the white Europeans are the descendants of the ancient Israelites. And all of these others, including the Jews, are descended from the various branches of the ancient enemies of Israel, who were all mixed with Canaanites, Kenites, Rephaim, and many other non-biblical races to create what we know today as both Arabs and Jews. While the biblical names were for the most part left in the dust of history, the people are still here. They are still opposed to the God of the Bible, and they still endeavored to destroy his true people, Israel. The white race, which is to a great extent descended from the actual ancient Israelites, are the true people of Christ and being overrun with Arabs, Mexicans, Hispanics, and even Africans, all at the beckoning of the Edomite Jews. The words of those ancient prophets are being fulfilled on a worldwide scale. Unless one understands the diaspora of the Edomite Jews and the spread of Arab blood, into southern Italy, Spain, Portugal, and ultimately into the so-called Hispanics, Mexicans, and Latinos of the New World, 
one cannot truly see the profound truths of biblical prophecy as they unfold in modern times. Satan's house may be divided against itself, but all sides nevertheless work in their common endeavor to corrupt and to destroy Christendom. In the last portion of this series of presentations, we began to discuss the Jewish contribution to the people whom we now know as Mexicans by presenting Clifton M. Heiser's paper, Mexicans Trace to Cain, Son of Satan. Doing that, we mentioned the words Mestizo and Ladino and promise to elaborate on them as we proceed. So this evening, we are going to do that by presenting another essay by Clifton, which he wrote in April of 2008, and which discusses those very terms. <clears throat> Preparing for this presentation, I found a website for an organization which calls itself the Society for Crypto-Judaic Studies. How quaint. And since some of the source material which Clifton cited in his presentation on these words is no longer found online, I will be augmenting Clifton's paper with some of the materials from that and other similar sources. Of course, this particular website is favorable to Jews, but that means that the conclusions which we deduce from its data cannot be demeaned as mere conspiracy theory. Before we begin, it must also be noted that while here this evening we will focus on the Jewish presence among the indigenous tribes of Mexico which formed the modern Mexicans, we cannot ever forget that many of the Iberian settlers in South and Central America had already spent 700 years intermingling with the Islamic Arabs in Spain and Portugal. So many, if not most, of the Spaniards and Portuguese who settled the New World, or who remain in Spain and Portugal to this very day, are not true Spaniards and Portuguese. While there may still be some white Spaniards and Portuguese, Many of them, and certainly the greater number, are also actually Arabs. Now we shall present and discuss the words Mestizo and Ladino by Clifton A. Emmeheiser. We are living in a day when it is important to understand the definitions of two words, and they are Mestizo and Ladino. I don't mean a quick once-over scan, but an in-depth study and research inspecting every minute detail. Once we make a comprehensive survey of the topic, it will lead us to consider other related terms of urgent concern. And before we continue, I must stress that this subject is indeed of urgent concern, as the political lines are drawn more and more sharply in the nations formerly known as Christendom. And the time is coming 
when those lines may turn into something which transcends mere politics, which is much more serious than mere politics. It is important for whites to be able to properly perceive and consider who is white. We often hear boneheaded remarks such as, oh, everyone knows that there are white Cubans, or oh, the white Spaniards in Mexico preserved themselves apart from the Indians. But they are only urban legends created by someone or other who thought they could create an excuse for keeping some light-skinned or even white-acting Pedro around in their supposedly nationalist circles. However, in the long run, it is much more dangerous to admit wolves in sheep's clothing than it is to keep wolves in wolves' clothing. Regardless of how they act, in one way or another, the wolf will always act like a wolf. In truth, the Hispanics and Mexicans are every bit as Arab and Jewish by blood as many of the people in Palestine, and they cannot righteously be admitted into white Christendom. To do so is to accept the deeds and the desires of the devil, to risk Arabizing whatever whites remain. So Clifton continues in reference to these words, mestizo and ladino. I will now show the meanings of these two words from five dictionaries, five different dictionaries, starting with mestizo and with the Reader's Digest Great Encyclopedic Dictionary, where we have mesti, which is a musti, a word from the Spanish, mestizo, meaning hybrid. And then mestizo, anyone of mixed blood in Mexico and the Western United States, a person of Spanish and Indian blood, also called Ladino. Later we will discuss, we will focus on this one significant clause in this definition where it says that a mestizo is also called Ladino. Continuing with Clifton's definitions, from the Webster's New Universal Unabridged Dictionary, mestiza, a woman of racially mixed ancestry, especially in Latin America, of mixed American Indian and European ancestry, or in the Philippines, of mixed native and foreign ancestry. And then mestizo, a person of racially mixed ancestry, especially in Latin America, of mixed American Indian and European, usually Spanish or Portuguese ancestry or in the Philippines of mixed native and foreign ancestry. And it's attributed to have come from the Spanish noun used as an adjective, mestizo, and the vulgar Latin, mestizo is said to come from the vulgar Latin word mixticius, which means mixed. From the American Heritage Dictionary, New College Edition, mestizo, or feminine mestiza, American Spanish and Portuguese, 
a person of mixed European and Indian ancestry. Spanish from mestizo, meaning mixed, from Old Spanish or from vulgar Latin mixticius, of mixed race, from the Latin word mixtus, the past participle of miscere, which means to mix, and then they refer to the word or the word fragment, I should say, the ancient Indo-European root word, which is hypothetical in their appendix on Indo-European roots. And this is Mike, M-E-I-K, as a prefix. Mike, to mix, variant form mig in Greek. Mignunahi, these are word stems, that's why I said prefix. It's a stem, so it's a word with a dash because different languages affixed different endings to it to form whole words. We also see compound words where it's either the first or second part of a compound word. Mike, to mix, a variant form, Mig, M-E-I-G, in Greek, gives us the word mignunahi, or mignumi in the first person, which is to mix. Now they list several words that came from mignumi, or mignunahi, amphimixis, apomict, and apomixis. Then another form is mixk, M-I-K dash S-K, which in Latin gives us miscere, M-I-S-C-E-R-E, and the past participle mixtus, meaning to mix, and obviously that's the source of our English words, mix, mixture, mixed, and many other similar words. From this word miscere or mixtus comes the English words, according to their theory, metal, medley, melange, mestizo, miscellaneous, miscible, mix, mixture, admix, comix, emix, miscegenation, and even the word pell-mell, that, that is sort of an archaic word. I don't know how they attribute that to mixtus or mignumi, but that's okay. And the word promiscuous, we see that mixed or miscere in Latin in the middle of our word promiscuous. They say that there was possibly a Germanic form, maisk, M-A-I-S-K, in Old English mask, M-A-S-C, and words such as mashed and malt come from that. Mestizo. Clifton really wants to include all this so that we could see how mestizo comes from these words that mean mixed in Latin or Greek or, or even Old English, that it's related to them. From the Webster's New World Dictionary, second edition, mestizo, from the late Latin or ecclesiastical Latin, mysticius, of mixed race, mysticius coming from the participle, from a past participle form of the Latin miscere or mix. A person of mixed parentage, especially in the Western United States and in Latin American countries, 
the offspring of a Spaniard or Portuguese and an American Indian. Only one of these five dictionaries equated mestizo with Ladino, and that's the Reader's Digest Great Encyclopedic Dictionary, and we should keep that in the back of our heads for now. In all scholarly sources I have thus far seen on the subject, the subject of South Americans in general, the Spanish and Portuguese colonists of South America are considered nothing other, in spite of the fact that there were multitudes of Jews, whether they were converted or not, and Iberians of mixed Arab blood among their numbers. As Clifton already cited from Collier's Encyclopedia, already in his earlier paper on this subject, as he cited from Collier's Encyclopedia in relation to the 700-year Arab occupation of Iberia, Collier said, so many native Christians adopted Islam and intermarried with the conquerors that the original Muslim stock was thoroughly blended with the local peoples. In other words, the Islamic-dominated portions of Spain and Portugal all became Arab over that 700-year period. They all became Arab peoples through race mixing. They were no longer truly Spanish or Portuguese. Yet the scholars who write such definitions as we've seen here completely ignore the significant event in Iberian history. And they continue to refer to these peoples merely as Spanish and Portuguese as if it never happened, as if over 700 years the nature and character of the people never changed or it doesn't even matter to them. It would be like Ireland invading China and getting rid of all the Chinese and future Chinese history is written calling the Irish replacements Chinese, which would be ridiculous. But that's what they do when whites are replaced by other races. They continue to identify these other races or the, the resulting mixed races under the same name that the whites had who lived there in the first place. That's exactly what's going on today all over the world. Returning to the last of Clifton's definitions of the word mestizo, from the American College Dictionary 1951 edition, mestizo, a person of mixed blood. In Spanish America, one who has Spanish and American Indian blood, or one of European and East Indian Negro or Malay blood, the Spanish having a large colonial presence in Southeast Asia, the Philippines, we see the word mestizo was used there also of people of mixed race. Four, a Philippine island native with Chinese blood would be called by the Spanish a mestizo. So that's fair. But here Clifton stumbled onto something. In spite of the fact that the term Latin America appears in two of these five definitions, in one of these dictionaries which did not use that term, Latin America, 
It was said that mestizos are also called Ladino. Not Latino, a term with which we are now familiar, but Ladino. As we shall see in the definitions for Ladino, two other dictionaries will also make the equation, although they did not make it under their entries for mestizo. The word Ladino should be recognized by students of medieval European history as a label for Sephardic Jews and their variety of the Spanish language. However, most Americans are oblivious to the term. So Clifton found it necessary to examine that term as well, and he says, Now for an examination of the term Ladino from the same five dictionaries. First from the Reader's Digest Great Encyclopedic Dictionary. Ladino, a Spanish dialect with many Hebrew elements, spoken by the Sephardim, living in Turkey and other countries. Sephardim being the Sephardic Jews. And then two, in Latin America, a mestizo. As if that is not related to the first definition, which we would certainly protest and say that it is related, as we hope to prove this evening. Of course, I would debate the meanings attributed to the term Ladino, as it is stated in that definition. It attributes the derivation of Ladino to Spanish in the sense of wise or learned or cunning from the, the word Latin for Latin, Latinus for Latin. Christian scholars of the period were also necessarily fluent in Latin, where Ladino is only a Jewish dialect of early Spanish, which was also derived from Latin. So I think they claim that the word Ladino coming in this sense is ridiculous. But what really matters is that they say that a Ladino is, in Latin America, a mestizo. That's what really matters here, and we will discuss the significance of that at length. Continuing with Clifton's definitions for Ladino, from Webster's New Universal Unabridged Dictionary, Ladino, also called Judeo-Spanish or Judesmo, a Romance language of the Sephardic Jews, based on Old Spanish and written in the Hebrew script. In Spanish America, a Ladino is a mestizo. In the southwestern United States, a Ladino is a wild, unmanageable, or vicious horse or other ranch animal. And I would think that there were plenty of those animals that only had two legs running around that were wild, unmanageable, and vicious. But this is the second of five dictionaries, which tell us that in the New World, a mestizo was the same as a ladino. Continuing with Clifton's definitions, the American Heritage Dictionary, New College Edition. A ladino, or I'm sorry, ladino is a romance language derived from Spanish with Hebrew elements and modifications. 
spoken by Sephardic Jews, especially in the Balkans, also called Judeo-Spanish. And they simply attribute the term Ladino as coming from a Spanish version of the word Latin, which that is plausible, but it has a peculiar usage where it pertains only to the sort of Spanish that the Jews commonly spoke in Spain and in the rest of Europe, wherever those Sephardic Jews had gone. From the Webster's New World Dictionary, second edition, Ladino, and they claim it comes from Spanish, meaning wise, cunning, or learned which I would contest with, just like I contested with that from the other dictionary. It's just conjecture. A Spanish dialect with some elements of Hebrew spoken by Sephardic Jews in Turkey and some other Mediterranean countries. And then, in Spanish America, a person of mixed ancestry. So we have another definition. But they don't another connection to the word mestizo, but they don't tell us that it's used the same way as the word mestizo. They didn't include that in their definition. The American College Dictionary, 1951 edition. Ladino, a mixed Spanish and Hebrew dialect spoken by Jews of Spanish extraction now living in Turkey and elsewhere. In Spanish America, a Spanish-speaking half-breed, a mestizo. So now here we have yet another dictionary which equates a mestizo with a Ladino in the New World. Although, of the three which have done so, only one has it in both definitions for Ladino and mestizo which is the Reader's Digest Great Encyclopedic Dictionary. So the connection is definite, and we must wonder, how was a name describing Sephardic Jews applied to the indigenous Mexican Indians who became mixed with the colonists? Clifton now remarks at this point in his original essay, and he says... It is interesting, but the term Latino does not appear in four of my dictionaries, except in the American Heritage Dictionary New College Edition, where it pertains only to Latino Faliscan, a subdivision of the Italic language, including Latin and Faliscan. So Latino has an entirely different use in that case than we are familiar with the word today. Clifton says, thus it becomes clear that Latino has been added only to more recent dictionaries, and I have one copyrighted in 1980 that has it. I believe the term Latino is an attempt to legitimize the term Ladino. And here Clifton may have been referring to some other of his dictionaries which he did not cite in this paper, or he made an oversight. Clifton possessed two copies of the 
Webster's New World Dictionary in its second edition, both published in the 1970s and one in its third edition from the 1980s. These all have entries for the term Latino as it is commonly seen today, Latino with a T. To that, Clifton's copy of the Webster's New Universal Unabridged Dictionary, which was published in 1996, adds an entry for Latina, which was evidently mandated by the Inclusiveness Department of the Political Correctness Police, having to have a female version of the word separate from the masculine version which is just simply redundant. But the American College Dictionary, published in 1951, and the Reader's Digest Great Encyclopedic Dictionary, and the American Heritage Dictionary New College Edition, both published in the 1970s, do not have any such entries for either Latino or Latina. If there is another dictionary from Clifton's library which wants these terms, perhaps I have not yet unpacked it. All seven dictionaries mentioned here do also have an entry for Latin America, defined to include South and Central America and Mexico. However, with this, it remains clear that the term Latino was being added to dictionaries from some time in the 1970s and Latina followed after. In preparation for this presentation, I looked in both the 1894 9th edition and the 1911 11th edition of the Encyclopedia Britannica and there are no entries for Latino, Latina, or even Latin America. There are also no entries for Ladino with a D. I also have in my possession a copy of a book I found in an antique store in northern Georgia a few years ago, visiting my friend Bruce Bond titled Carpenter's Geographical Reader for South America. It was the sixth part of what it was at that time, at the time of its printing, a six-volume series. It was published by the American Book Company of New York, Cincinnati, and Chicago in 1899. I also possess a copy of the seventh part on Africa, first published in 1905. Carpenter wrote in the title pages of the volume on South America that these readers, meaning his books, are not dry compilations from other books, but comprise vivid descriptions of the author's personal observations. While this introduction may be too long for our purpose here, I only want to say that nowhere in Carpenter's edition on South America, do we see the terms Latin America or Latino? These terms seem to have been products 
of the Jewish media of the 20th century and were made popular by the media as the United States was receiving increasing numbers of alien Hispanic and Mexican immigrants. We would agree with Clifton that the use of the word Latino seems to be an attempt to legitimize the term Ladino in the eyes of Christians, or at least disguise the true nature of those who have the label. When we look at definitions for Ladino, it is generally admitted that the term describes a dialect of Spanish used exclusively by Jews. And it is also admitted that Jews brought this dialect with them to places such as Turkey and the Balkans. But Mexico is typically not mentioned in such definitions which is apparent from the list which Clifton had included here, except for the dictionaries which simply state that Ladino is equivalent to Mestizo in Spanish or Latin America, as if that usage of the word is somehow distinct. So I looked in Clifton's copy of the 1980 Collier's Encyclopedia, and there Mexico is mentioned even if it is mentioned last. So here is the entry for Ladino from that encyclopedia, attributed to Giuliano Bonafante, who was the author of this brief article on the word Ladino. Ladino, the name derived from Latinus or Latin, frequently used to indicate the Spanish language spoken in North Africa, Israel, Turkey, and the whole Balkan Peninsula, that is, the territory of the ancient Ottoman Empire, by approximately 125,000 Sephardic Jews, the descendants of those who were expelled from Spain by the Catholic kings in 1492. It is also now spoken in New York City, imagine that. This variety of Spanish, also called Judeo-Spanish, and in German, Spaniolish, is particularly noteworthy, not only for the Turkish, Slavic, Italian, and Greek influences that have modified it, making it a sort of Spanish form of Yiddish, or a Yiddish form of Spanish, but also for its archaic character, for it is preserved almost intact the main features of pre-classical Spanish, probably why it was really called Ladino by the speakers of modern Spanish. Ladino also preserves many old words, proverbs, songs, legends, and romances although around the beginning of the 20th century, Ladino was still spoken by around 500,000 persons. The number of speakers has rapidly diminished since that time. This was particularly due to the, and of course we don't believe what we're about to read, but we will read it anyway, 
This was particularly due to the dismemberment of the Ottoman Empire after World War I and the mass killings of Jews by the Germans in occupied Europe during World War II. In 1970, there were an estimated 40,000 speakers of Ladino in the United States, most of whom lived in New York City. Other countries with speakers of Ladino included Turkey, Bulgaria, Israel, Romania, Greece, Morocco, and Mexico. Of course, we do not have to accept the Holocaust propaganda found in the article, but we wanted to show that the term Ladino, to describe the language of the Sephardic Jews, had followed them wherever they went. We would now assert that it is not a mere coincidence that mestizos, at least according to three prominent dictionaries, are also called Ladino. So Clifton continues. <clears throat> Excuse me. The reader may have already observed an interconnection between these two words, mestizo and ladino. I don't believe this is an accident, as many Canaanite Jews accompanied the Spanish explorers to America. Therefore, with them came the terms. I will here refer to the book Our Crowd by Stephen Birmingham. From this book, at chapter 3, under the title Mount Beautiful, pages 29 and 30, I will paraphrase the story. Early in the year 1654, a ship, or bark, a three-masted sailing vessel named the St. Charles, or dubbed the Jewish Mayflower, brought 23 Sephardic Jews from the culture of medieval Spain and some of the great Sephardic families of New York today descend from the St. Charles's arrivals, which include the Hendrixes, which is actually a Dutch name taken by certain Jews, the Hendrixes, Cardozos, Baruchs, Lazaruses, Nathans, Salises, Gomezes, Lopezes, Lindos, Lombrosos, and Sykeses, the surname Sykeses. Now Clifton responds, in particular, please notice the names Gomez and Lopez. How many Mexicans do you know by those names? It is quite evident that the Mexicans by these names are related genetically to the same Canaanite Jewish families that arrived in New York in 1654. The name Cardas may also be a variation by which Mexicans are named today. From this, it should be quite obvious that the Mexicans have absorbed the blood of Cain. And there is documentation that Cardozo is also a Sephardic Jewish name. And the name Eans, or Yanez, Eans, E-A-N-E-S, is a Sephardic Jewish name. The name Mendez, in my opinion, probably came in the Islamic period and the Arab conquest of Spain. Mendez was the Egyptian goat god. But that's a digression. The full title to this book is Our Crowd, 
The Great Jewish Families of New York, and a copy is available at archive.org. I won't post it at Christagenia because it is a copyright violation. Archive.org has deeper pockets and could withstand complaints from attorneys better than I can. But I will link archive.org's copy. Continuing with Clifton. For those who might be interested, there are known Canaanite Jewish families who go by the names of Gomez and Lopez. The Ruby and Lopez families of northeastern Arizona are continuing their search for their Spanish forefathers and members of their extended family. In February of 2003, the Lopez and Ruby descendants set up a website searching for their long-lost relatives, which they are discovering are more worldwide than they could ever have imagined. That website is rubyfamilygen.com and we won't link it. For reasons not known to us, the Ruby Family Genealogy website is now defunct. It now leads to some Chinese language advertising page that does not even function properly, and therefore we cannot corroborate or further illustrate the information which Clifton is about to provide. But we can say that there are many rubies in Arizona and its vicinity which are listed at Ancestry.com and who are also related to Lopez's. Clifton continues, <clears throat> At this website, under the heading, Sephardic Connection, Emma Moya, in an article written for La Herencia del Norte, Volume 22, Winter of 1996, there is evidence that many of the families who settled in New Spain were forced to convert to Catholicism during the Spanish and Mexican Inquisitions. Now, actually, the author's name was apparently Emma Montoya, who wrote an article titled New Mexico's Sephardim, Uncovering Jewish Roots, for the publication La Herencia del Norte, volume 22, published in the winter of 1996. In English, the title of the publication, La Herencia del Norte, means the Northern Heredity. I have found citations of this article in other books on the subject, such as Hidden Heritage, The Legacy of the Crypto-Jews, written, written by the Jewess Janet Jacobs. But as of yet, I cannot find a copy of the original Montoya article. Clifton continues to cite it, but rather briefly. Abstract. The author, at a meeting with a group of Hispanic researchers, discovers that she has a common ancestry with a woman who has traced her own Sephardic roots from Spain to Mexico to New Mexico. Emma Moya, or Montoya, is a poet, historian, writer, and musician re residing in Los Duranes, Albuquerque, New Mexico. 
Now, from that same article, Clifton repeats a list of some Sephardic names taken from La Herencia del Norte, from that article of Emma Montoya's. Alvarez, Andrade, Armijo, Barrios, Campos, Chavez, Cordova, Cruz, Diaz, Dominguez, Duran, Espinosa, Flores, Garcia, Gomez, Gonzalez, Gutierrez, Hernandez, Juarez, Lopez, Marquez, Montano, Montoya, the name of the author, Nunez, Ortega, Ortiz, Pina, Perez, Rubin, as it appears in 19th century Galatia, and Rubin, as it appears in 18th century Palestine, Ruiz, Sandoval, and Torres. Now Clifton responds, you will notice here that Lopez is listed as a Sephardic Jewish name. In fact, all of these names are Sephardic Jewish names, although many may claim they practice Christianity. Clifton seems to have had a special axe to grind with somebody named Lopez, but that information is lost on me today. In later articles on this topic, Clifton cited sources with even longer lists of surnames that are generally considered to be Spanish, but which are said to be Sephardic. I hope to present that in a future presentation in this series. For now, Clifton moves on to another source. At the internet website, citizendium.org, in an article on Sephardic Jews, citizendium is citizen, C-I-T-I-Z-E-N-D-I-U-M.org. Under the title Sephardic Jews, we find another list of Sephardic towns followed by personal names where it says, among the more prominent were in the cities Toledo, Cordoba, and Granada, smaller towns such as, such as Ocaña, Guadalajara, Bentrago, and Almazan were founded or inhabited principally by Jews. Castile, Aranda, Avia, Calahora, Cuellar, Herrera, Medina, Segovia, Soria, and Villalán were home to large Jewish communities. Aragon and Catalonia had substantial Jewish communities in the famous calls of Girona, Barcelona, Tarragona, Valencia, and Palma de Mallorca. Mallorca being the large, larger of the Balearic Islands off of Spain's southern coast. Next, Clifton quotes a portion of the article which offers a list of Spanish and Portuguese given names that were used by Sephardic Jews, and it serves as an example of their desire to assimilate into Spanish culture. Then that list is followed by a longer list of the surnames which they commonly adopted, and not all of them are exclusively Jewish. They generally bear Portuguese and Spanish first names, as Abravanel, Adato, Alacria, Angel, Angela, Amado, Amada, Bienvenida, Blanco, Cara, Simfa or Kimfa, Comprado, Consuela, Coronel, Dolza, 
Eteri, Esperanza, Estimata, Estrella, Formosa, Gracia, Luna, Nina, Palomba, Preciosa, Sol, Sol, just the sun, Ventura, and Zafiro, and such Spanish or Portuguese surnames as Afanador, Aguilar, Alvarez, Banagas, Bejar, Belmonte, Benegas, Bengoa, Benveniste, Bensade, Bueno, Calderon, Cano, Carbajal, Caraballo, Carbayo, Cardenas, Cardozo, Cardoze, Cardozo, Castro, Clemente, Cordova, Curiel, De Leon, De Pina, Delgado, Del Valle, Diosdado, Espinosa, Espinosa, Fajardo, Fernandez, and this list is going to go on. There are many Jewish names that aren't, that are exclusively Jewish that really aren't listed here, like Eans. That's okay, I'm taking a stab at somebody who certainly should be exposed and merits it. This list goes on through about 30 other Spanish surnames, which we will not repeat them all. Now it's becoming tedious in a podcast, but they will be with the notes to this program, of course. Now Clifton responds to this information, and he says, These are names that the Sephardic Jews went by, and not the names acquired from the 700 Indian tribes that were there before the Spanish Portuguese Jews arrived. And the only way these names could have spread throughout the population is by intermarriage. In other words, with the spread of the Canaanite Jewish blood came the spread of these Canaanite Jewish names, which nearly all of the Mexicans have today or derivatives therefrom. While I cannot document it presently, I have seen many Mexicans who did not have Spanish given names or Spanish surnames, but rather they had names which were derived from their aboriginal Indian language or Indian culture. It is evident that many Mexican mestizos who have Spanish or Jewish names, have obtained them from their Sephardic, Jewish, or non-Indian ancestors. I won't say Spanish. They may have been Spanish. They may have been Arab Spaniards, but they were not Indian. If a Mexican who is descended from one of these 700 Indian tribes is exclusively descended from Indian tribes, it's not likely he's going to have a Spanish name, especially a Spanish surname. But if he's a mestizo, if he's a Ladino, he's a mestizo or a Ladino and has a Spanish name because he inherited that name from whatever Ladino or perhaps whatever Spaniard or Arab Spaniard he was descended from through the race mixing which went on in early Spanish America. Clifton says, we have to remember here that the Canaanite Jews assumed other people's names. 
So the origin of these names may not be the origin of all of these names may not necessarily be bad, me, meaning they may not necessarily be exclusively Jewish. It does, though, reflect how some of the names that ended up in Mexico, Central America, and South America were attached to half-breed Sur people, mixed Jews and Arabs. For instance, Perez, Perez or Peretz, are derived from a group of Hebrew words which include paraz, Strong's number 6518, meaning to separate, or parat, meaning to scatter, and parats, meaning to break, which are also the original words which gave us the English word part, and parts, which means something that's broken up in pieces. The biblical name of Pharez is also derived from these words. Our main purpose here is to show how the Canaanite Jews of Portugal and Spain carried them to Mexico, where they continue today applied to a hybrid people termed Mestizo and Ladino. Now, the source Clifton cited for this list of names is actually an article on some of the history of the Sephardic Jews throughout Roman and medieval times. Concerning the Islamic conquest of Iberia, the following paragraphs are of interest. This is from that same article at citizendium.org under the subtitle Sephardim under Islam. With the victory of Tariq ibn Ziyad in 711, the lives of the Sephardim changed dramatically. In spite of the stigma attached to being dimis, meaning non-Muslim members of monotheistic faiths, they had a special status. If they weren't pagans, they were dimis. In spite of the stigma attached to being Demis, the coming of the Moors was by and large welcomed by the Jews of Iberia. Both Muslim and Christian sources tell us that Jews provided valuable aid to the invaders. Once captured, the defense of Cordoba was left in the hands of Jews, and Granada Malaga, Seville, and Toledo were left to a mixed army of Jews and Moors. Although in some towns, Jews may have been helpful to Muslim success, they were of limited impact overall. Muslim rule placed restrictions upon the Jews as dhimis. Nevertheless, life under Muslim rule was one of great opportunity and Jews flourished as had not under the Christian Visigoths. Many Jews emigrated to Iberia, seen as a land of tolerance and opportunity. Imagine why the Jews are bringing Muslims into Christian nations today by the millions. Because they want to recreate this land of tolerance and opportunity they had in old Spain. Following 
Initial Arab victories, and especially with the establishment of the Umayyad rule by Abd al-Rahman in 755, the native Jewish community was joined by Jews from Christian Europe as well as from Arab lands from Morocco to Babylon. In other words, during the Islamic rule of Iberia, the Jews were flooding in. Thus, the Sephardim found themselves enriched culturally, intellectually, and religiously by the commingling of diverse Jewish traditions. By the 9th century, some members of the Sephardic community felt confident enough to take part in proselytizing among Christians. Most famous were the heated correspondences sent between Bodo Eleazar, a former Christian deacon who had converted to Judaism in 838, and the Bishop of Cordoba, Paulus Albaris, who had converted from Judaism to Christianity. Imagine that, a converted Jew starts right off at Bishop. Each man, using such epithets as wretched compiler, tried to convince the other to return to his former faith to no avail. And that was, of course, another dichotomy brought to you by Satan. As Jews came to a position of dominance over white Christians within a Muslim society, and as Muslim Arabs themselves had dominance, there must have been many shiksas in the medieval Spanish mikvahs, as well as in the harems of the sheiks and the imams. The Arabs had been kidnapping white women as slaves from coastal towns and villages of Europe all throughout the medieval period. So without a doubt, they must have truly enjoyed their Iberian booty. And the majority of the Spanish and Portuguese of today are largely a result of that predicament in both Europe and in the New World. Where we see medieval white Spaniards defending Judaism, just like today, it is evident that diversity and multiculturalism had also caused confusion at that time. Weak men identify with their conquerors, who become their masters, even though they are alien in race and religion. We see the same mentality today taking shape in the phenomenon of the Uyghurs of modern America, which are whites who have accepted and who imitate the culture and behavior of niggers. Returning to Clifton's discussion of Sephardic names, what many may not be aware of is the fact that the Canaanite Jews in medieval times had only a given name, not a family name. Thus, it became hard for the king to keep track of them. So some of the kings decreed that they had to take a family name or surname. Clifton's spelling, S-I-R space N-A-M-E, two different words, is obviously intentional, indicating his perception of the origin of our word surname, which is quite plausible. Some of the kings decreed that they had to take a family or surname, 
whereupon they borrowed, or Clifton has in parentheses, stole, the names of their Caucasian neighbors or the name of a nearby town. For example, there are many Canaanite Jews today who have German names, just as most Negroids have Caucasian names. It is only reasonable then that the Mexicans today have white Portuguese or white Spanish names. The fact of Mexicans assimilating or soaking up these names like a sponge confirms their vile ancestry. For instance, the white Portuguese were the great explorers, but they made a grave mistake by bringing back to Portugal some of the Negroids to be used as household servants. And while they were out exploring again, the Negroids were getting their wives and daughters pregnant. Today, most of the Portuguese are nothing more than race-mixed sewer people. As a digression, I have met some Spaniards and a few Portuguese that I thought were white, but they did not look at all like Arabs. They were fair-skinned, and some even had blonde hair and blue eyes. Clifton continues with another source. We are now going to investigate a website found at Aslan's Place, and a page Clifton found there which was actually an article on Sephardic Jews that was a PDF file. Actually, Clifton provided a link to what is only a PDF file, which is still found at the same website, but which has since been moved to a different location there. We shall preserve our own copy here with this presentation. The full title of the article it contains is Toxic Waste from the Family Line, Mexican Heritage from Judaism or Sephardim. This is an interesting website as it has an entire series of articles under the name Toxic Waste from the Family Line, all of which discuss what the authors see as wicked phenomena or practices from the histories of various ethnicities, including Sephardic Jewry. The series is described by the proprietors of the Aslan's Place website in this manner. The consequences of generational sin pours like toxic waste into our lives. Toxic Waste from the Family Line is a series of articles based on historical research. These resources work in conjunction with our generational prayer model and are useful as references while you ask God to reveal generational issues, like I guess whether or not you have a devil for a grandparent. Of course, we ourselves would not promote the idea that we can pray to Yahweh for bastards, but this certainly is not what we would consider to be a true Christian website. Nevertheless, most of the historical information certainly seems valid, at least so far as my own casual and brief inspection. And Clifton continues in reference to the Sephardic Mexicans. This one has an interesting title, Toxic Waste from the Family Line. It was written by the Mexican Del F. Sanchez, Ph.D., before I quote his list of Canaanite Jewish names, 
I will give you a summary of his errant concepts. He first quotes Obadiah verses 19 and 20 out of context in an attempt to connect Sepharad to Tarshish in Spain and the post post 70 AD Canaanite Jews. By not grasping the difference between the good fig Judahites and the bad fig Jews of Jeremiah chapter 24, his ideas of scripture are distorted. He then gives an abbreviated history of the Sephardic Jews from the destruction of the temple to their fleeing to Sepharad in Spain. Their later expulsion from Spain by Ferdinand and Isabella in 1492, how in 1524 Catholic kings sent Franciscan missionaries to Mexico City with power to inaugurate the Spanish version of the Inquisition on the mass migration of Canaanite Jews that had settled in northern Mexico, south and central Texas, New Mexico, and parts of southern Colorado, forcing them to become Catholic. But the Canaanite Jews instructed their children to practice their Jewishness in secret, and we were always told they were only Spanish and Indian. Sanchez's list of Sephardic Jewish names include Aguilar, Alvarez, and, and, Megale, and Megales, I believe Clifton may have, or the original article may have a typographical error there, A-N-M-G-E-L-E-S. It may simply just be A-N-A-G-E-L-E-S, Anageles, or some form of angels or angles. Avila, Ayala, Castro, Diaz, Dominguez, Duarte, Enriquez, Garcia, Gomez, Gonzalez, Hernandez, Herrera, Huete, Lopez, Lunca, Medina, Mina, Morales, Moreno, Munaz, Ortega, Perez, Ramirez, Rodriguez, Rosales, Ruiz, Salas, Sanchez and Velasquez. All of these three lists, three lists which Clifton included in this paper, all of these three lists of Sephardic Jewish names should give the reader an idea of how wide Jewish blood was spread around the world. The Chinese Sephardic Jewish name list should be just as large, and as much as the Mexican Jews have Canaanite blood, we should expect them to act like the low-life, immoral Canaanites of the Bible, and inasmuch as Yahweh declared that the iniquity of the land would vomit the Canaanites out of the Promised Land, how soon will the land vomit them out of the United States? Citing Leviticus chapter 18, verse 25. But of course, this cannot happen until white Christians repent of their sins, which includes their worship of the enemies of Christ, their Jew worship. Continuing with Clifton, where he makes an appropriate analogy, even if he did not realize that toxic waste from the family line was the title of an entire series of articles, which even discussed 
pagan Celts and other pre-Christian whites, as well as Sephardic Jews and the Kabbalah. It is amazing to me that the Mexican Del F. Sanchez, Ph.D., chose the title Toxic Waste from the Family Line for his presentation. And I have to agree with him that the Mexicans are indeed toxic waste. I don't see any difference in his usage of toxic waste and my use of the expression sewer people. Surely, sewers are a system to carry away toxic waste. The only problem I have with his heading is that the Canaanite Jews are also toxic waste. All that has happened is that the biblical Canaanite tribes, including the tribe of Cain, and 700 Indian tribes from Mexico and Central America have all been placed into a giant blender and turned into one giant, scrambled, putrefied conglomeration of toxic waste. In addition to this, one must understand that many in the remnant nation of Judea had absorbed Edomite blood by about 130 BC, and I would have to say to a greater extent in the decades after 130 BC, Clifton being a little off in his timing here. So when observing a Mexican, one is looking at a racially mixed Edomite, Surely, Mexico and Central America are the racial cesspool of the North American continent, and the effluent is overflowing by backing up into the United States and Canada at an alarming rate. Where in hell, I never heard, thought I'd hear Clifton use that expression, where in hell is the Roto-Rooter man? Roto-Rooter is a long established and well-known sewer maintenance company headquartered in Ohio, which became popular from early television advertising. Unfortunately, now their advertising prominently features sewer people. Continuing with Clifton, who cites yet another source, now to pick up some of the missing history of how all this started from the website mexconnect.com mex m-e-x connect all one word dot com with the i'm sorry the survival of judaism in mexico is a tale of tenacity and tolerance the story begins in spain with the conversos jews who had converted to christianity always under duress it starts in 600 a.d the visigoth king ricard forcibly baptized 90,000 of his Jewish subjects and expelled those who would not accept Christianity. Some of the conversos continued to practice their religion secretly for almost a century, then openly during 800 years of Moorish rule. I would count it as closer to 700, but 800 is just fine. The number of conversos grew during the 15th century when, in 1479, Ferdinand and Isabella launched a massive campaign to forcibly convert the Jewish population in Spain to Christianity. Ferdinand and Isabella obviously did not learn from the mistakes of Ricard that one cannot change a wolf into a sheep 
because it will always continue to behave like a wolf. Continuing with Clifton's citation, with the birth of the Spanish Inquisition some three years later, the conversos were now accused of secretly practicing Judaism. In 1492, all practicing Jews were expelled from Spain. By 1530, the royal viceroy of Nueva España, Antonio de Mendoza, had established law and order in a new world. Some historians feel Mendoza himself came from a crypto-Jewish family. Mendoza was a very common name among Spanish Jews. The conversos were under increasing pressure from the Inquisition. Looking for a place in which they could retain their Spanish identity, they focused on Mexico. In 1531, large numbers of them left Spain and Portugal for the New World. The Inquisition had not yet come to Nueva España, and the new arrivals soon married into prominent Mexican families, became priests and bishops, and enjoyed a 40-year period, during which time many began to practice Judaism openly. Doctors, lawyers, notaries public, or sorcerers and scribes, tailors, teachers, and silversmiths, they brought much-needed skills to the new colony and were well-received. They settled in Veracruz, Campeche, Oaxaca, Guadalajara, Morelia, and Mexico City. By 1571, the Inquisition had arrived in a new world, and again, both practicing Jews and conversos were under religious threat. So we see, according to these writers, and this is a Mexican-oriented website, according to these writers, as soon as the conversos got to Mexico, they began to intermarry immediately with the upper classes of the Spaniards. So the upper-class Spaniards certainly did not preserve their white Spanish identity in Mexico. That is, as I said, an urban legend in, invented or perpetuated by people who want to keep a favorite Pedro around or a favorite Pablo. Clifton now responds to this MexConnect article. It is apparent with what has been presented here, a majority of Mexicans have Sephardic Jewish surnames. Some of the names even go back to the tribe of Judah, indicating that some of the Judahites had race mixed with some of the Canaanites in ancient times. I think Clifton is really oversimplifying here, but that's okay. From all of this, it should be evident we have a much more serious problem with our southern border than anyone imagined. And this concludes Clifton's article. And the fact that it was written in 2008, which was a presidential election year in the United States, and a time when political agitation over illegal immigration was frequent in the news media and political debate, his references to the southern border can be understood in that context. In addition to the significant Iberian Arab factor, left out of most discussions of the Jews in Mexico 
and the American Southwest are all those who remained crypto-Jews and who converted to Catholicism, at least in name, after several generations of intermarriage with the Spaniards and the Aboriginal Indians, while they maintained some vestiges of Jewish practices, they virtually forgot that they themselves were actually mixed-race Jews. As I said at the beginning of this presentation, I could not locate the Emma Montoya article which Clifton had cited from a now-defunct website, but searching for it, I found another interesting article from the crypto-Jewish website titled Mestizo Jews, the Hidden Treasure of the World. Imagine that. Before I cite this article, let me state that I do not like having to quote from Jewish sources. I loathe the idea of quoting Jews on scripture, ancient history, or on modern topics relating to Jews such as National Socialist Germany. But on certain aspects of Jewish history, there is little choice but to examine and cite the writings of Jews because non-Jews simply do not write about such things, or when they do, they are mostly ignorant of many things Jewish. As I have already explained, neither the 1894 9th edition nor the 1911 11th edition of the Encyclopedia Britannica even have an entry for the term Ladino, although it has been in use to describe the Jewish variant of the Spanish language for many centuries. So skipping the history of the Jews in the New World, leading up to the Mexican Inquisition, which began at the end of the 16th century, here are a few of the pertinent paragraphs from the aforementioned article, which is actually quite candid even in its differences of opinion with certain establishment Jewish historians. <coughs> Excuse me. The Jews who fled from Spain to rid themselves of the inquisitorial demands were doomed to meet the Holy Office again and endure the Mexican Inquisition in the New Land. But this branch of the Spanish Inquisition did not only oppress and persecute the Jews and Moors, Arabs, who fled Spain, but the indigenous communities were also subjected to massacres and forced conversion. Most victims of the Mexican Inquisition were usually apprehended due to a testimony that accused them of practicing a paganistic faith. Jews, Moors, or Indians who were tried and convicted of practicing pagan traditions were punished. These sentences consisted of the following, or a combination of the following to renounce one's paganish faith under oath, to receive whips or to wear humiliating attire in public, exile to remote lands as soldiers, to serve prison terms, and or death by being burned alive, choked or hanged, according to Liebman in a publication called Los Judeos 
and Mexico y America Central, or the Jews in Mexico and Central America. Any women sentenced to prison terms were committed to convents, and some were obligated to serve a lifetime in the convents. To practice any faith other than the Catholic faith was indeed life-threatening. One theory suggests many Jews turned to the indigenous population for help and sanctuary. Jews and non-Jews lost their lives. Many of them found refuge in small Indian villages and lived among the Indian population in order to hide their identity, according to Lerner in a book, Mexican Jewry in the Land of the Aztecs. As a result, Jewish Indian communities were established. Some of these communities still exist today in Venta Prieta, the state of Hidalgo, Toluca in the state of Mexico, Apipaluco in the state of Guero, and Monterey in the state of Nuevo Leon. It is believed that the mestizo Jewish community of Monterey was settled by Jews fleeing from Pachuca and Tampico and established themselves among the Indians. It is believed they changed their names to hide their identity from the Mexican Inquisition and assimilated as best as they could to the tribe, according to Beller in Jews in Latin America. In finding refuge among other, another people, it has been speculated that intermarriages had occurred between female Spanish Jews or Sephardic Jews and the indigenous males, creating what we know as the Mestizo Jew or Indian Jew. Orthodox Jewish law dictates the mother of the child must be Jewish in order that the child be considered Jewish. The father does not have to be Jewish. Another theory suggests that many Indian females adopted the religion of their Jewish slave masters and had mixed offspring by non-Spanish white European men. As the number of mestizo Jews increased, so did their communities. Now here the article speaks of half-Jews with the Jewish mother being counted as Jewish. It discounts half-Jews by Jewish fathers as they would not have been accepted into the typical Sephardic Jewish communities, which at the time were generally Orthodox. So, the historical implication is that many Mexicans of Jewish descent were never counted as Jews, ostensibly since there were no liberated women in those days, male Jews would have, should have, male Jews should have had the opportunity to have had many more of such mixed offspring than female Jews. But they weren't counted as Jews. Continuing with the article, they all had Jewish names later on. Venta Prieta is the most known mestizo Jewish community in Mexico. Senora Trinidad Hiron de Tellez, an old woman of Venta Prieta, gives an account of watching her father scalded to death in boiling oil for, Judea, for Judaizing. 
even though freedom of religious conscience was enacted in 1857, according to Liebman in the American Jewish Archives. This particular community believes that it was the home of the ancestors of the Carvajal family, who initially settled the pro in the province of Nuevo Leon, and later in an indigenous community. It also claims that the Carvajal family intermarried with the Indians because the Carvajales it believed that they were the lost Jewish tribe. Now, actually, Manasseh ben Israel, the Portuguese rabbi, made the claim that some of the Indians were descendants of the so-called lost tribes in his letters to Oliver Cromwell, where he was repeating a rumor spread by early Portuguese and Spanish Jews in the New World. Continuing with the article, Mestizo Jewish communities like Venta Prieta who have identified their ancestors, have been able to practice the Jewish faith and customs in their purest forms. And let me say that if the Sephardic Jews held this notion that these Indians were the so-called lost tribes when they got here, which they did, it's very well documented, that would have made it very easy for the Sephardic Jews to intermarry with the Indians. There would be no moral prohibition, none whatsoever. They had no moral prohibitions anyway, in reality. But in pretense, they would have had no moral prohibition. They're the lost tribes, we could marry as many as we want. That would be their way to legitimize that attitude. In Venta Prieta, the traditional male circumcision is adhered to. They eat matzah on Passover and adhere to the slaughtering methods dictated by Jewish ritual law. And we're going to find in our next presentation, we are going to find corroboration for this from other sources, from other documented Mexicans in Colorado, I believe. <clears throat> These Jewish mestizo townships have synagogues, observe all of the Jewish holidays, and follow the basic Jewish traditions. However, some mestizo communities profess themselves as being Catholics, follow Catholic traditions, popes and bishops wear yarmulkes too, but also practice Jewish customs. Many rituals that are performed by mestizo Jews and Catholic mestizos in Mexico and across Latin America are a cross between Christianity, or really Catholicism, and Judaism. However, there are other communities that have never been able or have never bothered to investigate the origin of their customs and have remained Catholic but still observe Jewish tradition. There are some Indian tribes in Latin America today where women go to church on Friday evenings and light candles before the images of the saints. This tradition took its place in inquisitorial times 
when Jewish women were afraid to light their Sabbath candles at home. So they opted to do it in the security of the church. These women wave their hands over the candles, cover their eyes, and say the blessing, quietly not knowing the origin of this tradition. There is another crypto-Jewish tradition that mestizos practice in a region that encompasses southern Arizona and northern Mexico. The tradition is that mothers pass on to their daughters on their 11th birthday the secret of their Jewish heritage. The girls are taught special Murano prayers of forgiveness, Murano being Murano Jew, the secret Jews of Spain that were supposedly converted and con continued to practice Judaism in secret. The citations here, there are several citations from F. Plevin, and they are obscure as the author was perhaps mistakenly not included in the bibliography to the article. Continuing from that point, and we have um, perhaps three paragraphs left, but they are interesting enough, I believe. There are Peruvian communities of men who profess to be Catholic, but wrap themselves in white clothes, fast and pray all day, once a year in the fall. These men also observe the Day of Atonement in the Jewish religion. But after so many years in secrecy with changed customs and holidays to fit their own needs, everything amounted to an approximation. The rituals developed in these towns and communities became, I'm sorry, became their own unique type of Judaism. These customs are distorted and half understood. It is a life based on a tradition to be practiced secretly rather than on a knowledge of what it really is to be Jewish. Nevertheless, the Jewish customs live on and are all a part of the vague memories of the Inquisition they so desperately wanted to hide from in New Spain and Latin America as a whole. It may as well be called Ladino America. In spite of these traditions and historic evidence, some historians do not believe that communities, and especially the community of Venta Prieta, are true descendants of Jews who fled from Spain and settled in the New World. Searching Wikipedia for the name Venta Prieta today, there is a result prominently displayed for a Comunidad Judia de Venta Prieta, commu Jewish community of Venta Prieta, which says it was founded in 1930, as if they are trying to obscure the fact that the community was significantly Jewish for 400 years before that date. Now to continue with the article. Many historians believe that a few thousand Jews are descendants of the Converso population in Mexico, but vehemently deny that any Mestizo Jews exist in Mexico or Latin America for that matter. Here we see an abject denial of the degree of Jewish blood in these Mestizos and Ladinos. 
Bet El and Casa de Dios have been included in a census that records the number of Mestizo Jews and should not have. And that's according to Liebman in the American Jewish Archives. The Jews evidently didn't want these large numbers of Mexican Mestizo Jews to be known. These two sects are believed to have been recent converts from Christianity to Judaism. In The Structure of Spanish History, historian Americo Castro wrote, The people who really felt the scruple of purity of blood were the Spanish Jew. There is a punctilious concern for family purity. As a consequence of the persecution in the 15th century, he became still more acutely aware of his exclusive particularism. And of course, that is all Jewish propaganda that even these Jewish Hispanic authors are contending with. They go on to say, this statement forwardly implies that intermarriages between Indians and Jews was highly unlikely. There are also accounts that individuals in the Venta Prieta and Mexico City mestizo Jewish communities have admitted that their parents or forefathers were converted to Judaism only in a very recent past. Nothing concrete has been established to refute or agree with the possibility of mestizo Jewry. But with all that happened, who could say that mestizo Jewry never existed? Now, although this article is attributed to two authors, it concludes in the first person and it says, I believe mestizo Jewry exists and has for decades, we would say centuries, due to the lack of documented evidence. And here's the real crux of the issue. Due to the lack of documented evidence, many do not believe for one minute that mestizo Jewry could exist. However, the fact of the matter is that you can't deny the existence of people and their traditions no matter what they are. One can't close his mind and believe that if something is not documented or proven with all five senses, that it could not be real. Life is not black or white and does not fit into neat categories. I have only treaded a little on the subject and definitely know there is still so much more to be discovered. And I hope one day Mestizo Jewry will be as researched and known as well as European Jewry. So here we see that at least some Jewish historians have purposely concealed the truth concerning the origins of the presumably Hispanic mestizos, who according to at least three authoritative dictionaries are also called Ladino, the very name of the language of the Sephardic Jews, which was also used to describe the Sephardim themselves. The Jews have always promoted their own racial purity to Gentiles while encouraging Gentiles to mix with others. In truth, it is the Jews themselves who are the world's original sewer people, they and their Arab cousins, 
and none of them have ever been pure. I believe that Clifton was correct that Latino is indeed a purposeful corruption of Ladino. And by that means, the same Jewish academics and historians are purposely and successfully concealing the Jewish nature of the Mestizos, as well as other Hispanics, whom they are also assisting in their endeavor to conquer white America. When we return with this series, we will continue our investigation of the Jewish nature of at least many of the so-called Mexicans. Thank you for listening. Praise Yahweh, the God of Israel.